Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. So, we have been in this series called Teach Us to Pray. The idea of the series is that we're walking through and attempting to discover what the Lord's Prayer is, and specifically, how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that we said was that uh, Jesus, he, he, he encourages us, don't pray a formula, but Jesus, he has given us a model to pray. And one of the things that I love that Pastor Jackson said last week was he reminded us, or he t- compared the Lord's Prayer to jazz music, in that there is a form, there is a structure, and yet there's freedom within that. And so one of the things that I've been encouraging is that the Lord's Prayer is something where we're trying to learn about the different targets within the Lord's Prayer. And I'll put up just a reminder in just a moment. But those different targets of the Lord's Prayer that we're putting up, the reason we're doing that is because each one of those targets, man, we can hit those in 5, 10, 15 seconds and have a really beautiful quality prayer with God. Or we can spend 15, 20, 30 minutes on each one. And so it's a beautiful way for us to pray. But what I wanted to do, since it's our last uh, session uh, here on the Lord's Prayer, is I wanted to put up the entire text that has the context of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. It's a lot, but just hang with me. This is kind of Jesus' entire teaching on prayer, just to get our minds wrapped around it before we dive in. So here's what he says. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then Jesus, he teaches us this prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. And by the way, if you've ever felt guilty, like, oh, I don't pray long enough, Jesus is telling us how to pray here. I timed myself last night, and it took me reading at a slow pace, 21 seconds to read this. So this is not a long prayer, but Jesus is saying, here's how to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is Jesus's explanation of how to pray. And as a recap, uh, here is what uh, we, we talked about, and here's what we learned. So the, the first week, uh, we learned about God's honor. We talked about the fact that, that God was inviting us to pray a prayer of glory to him. The second week, we talked about God's kingdom and the fact that we need to pray uh, and, and ask God's kingdom to come. And if you remember, what we talked about with that is that we pray for God's kingdom to move deeper into the lives of Christians and wider into the community of people who don't know Jesus. And then last week, we, Jackson taught us two things about God's provision, 
that, that we are invited to pray for our daily bread, our daily needs, and also for God's forgiveness, that we pray for God's forgiveness for ourselves and we choose to forgive other people. Now, here is the last target of prayer that we're gonna aim for and that we're gonna pray through, and that is God's power, God's power. Matthew chapter six, verse 13, it says this. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. So what I see in this text and what we see here is that the way that Jesus encourages us to wrap up this prayer, these are the the last words of the prayer. This is like, hey, God, I've been praying. I've hit all the things that you have told me to hit. What's the last thing? How do I wrap up the prayer? What do I say before I say amen? And what he is saying is, you need to realize and you need to ask, God, I need your help. I need your help. Like, I literally need you to show up and move in my life, or or this is not going to happen. And and so we're not invited to to kind of pray and hype ourselves up. We're not invited to say, oh, man, like, I hope this thing works out well. We're invited to say, God, whatever we're going through, I I literally need you. I'm desperate for you. And, And this is kind of the big idea that I want us to think about today. I have one big idea, and then I have three points to unpack that are gonna help us dive into that big idea. So the first, kind of the big idea over today is this, that our faith is based on God's power and our participation. Our faith is based on God's power and our participation. And I think we gotta really understand that that both are happening. Some people, all, all they focus on is God's power, right? They just look at God and they're like, God, I want you to show up. And then when God kind of doesn't show up the way that they want, like, it's like, God, you messed up. So it's based on God's power. And it's also, we're invited to participate. Some people, all they focus on is their participation. And they're trying really hard and, and, and doing everything and, and doing the best to do everything just right. And it's like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere because it's not just one or the other. It's God's power in our participation. Now, uh, one of my favorite verses about this is Philippians chapter two, verse 13. And this is what it says. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, You see right there, Paul is saying, he's like, look, there is a responsibility that you have for your faith. It's not just going to be God saving you and then God saying, all right, now that I saved you, I'm going to carry you. Now, here's the thing. Salvation is of the Lord. So we, what we do to, to actually get saved is we just trust in Jesus. There's not a work that you can do that's gonna get you saved because the only work to do is to believe in Jesus, to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I can't do it on my own. I can only do it because of the good work that you've done. So that's that's salvation. But then after we're saved, what, what Paul is saying is, hey, you have salvation. Jesus has saved you. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not a work of man. But after you're saved, Paul is saying, now there's a responsibility that you have. Work out your own salvation. But then he says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. 
And I just think that's so encouraging that as I am working it out, as I'm trying to figure out and do my absolute best to obey God, to follow God, to serve God, as I'm doing that, the promise is God is working in me, that I'm not on my own, that it is God's power that's helping. Now, I have a video here, and I'm just going to be fully transparent with you for a second. This is a video of my son, and it does have something to do with my illustration, but I also just want you guys to see how cute my son is, okay? So I just want to be honest with you about that. It is going to make sense in the illustration, but I'm also just think this video is adorable, okay? So, so check out this video. There's not going to be any sound, but my, uh, my son this week, we got him a surprise, and the surprise was we got him a, a mower, and so uh, I put him outside for a little bit. Um, I, you know, I, I, do, uh, I do attend him out there. I don't just leave him out there all day without any food or water, just so you guys know. But he, uh, it's a bubble mower. So he loves to mow the grass. And uh, just the, like every day this week, he's been mowing the grass, right? So there he is. He's passionate about it. He's making it happen. Here's the thing that I need him to understand, and I really want you to understand, though. He's actually not helping me mow the grass, like I checked, it is like basically, there's been no, no addition. In fact, he actually might be killing the glass with, grass with the bubble of formula. I'm not actually sure how the science of that works. So, so I think sometimes we can get to a place in our faith where we have prayed for certain things and they haven't come true. And sometimes if we're genuinely honest with ourselves, like just like I'm like, Zay, you're not really helping me. Sometimes that's how we can feel about God. That we can say, God, I prayed and I wanted to believe in your power. There was a time in the past where I heard a message about a pastor preaching about God's power and I really did want to believe in it. But I've been disappointed. That There was a moment where I was like, man, this is, I prayed a prayer and it didn't come true. I asked for God to move and it didn't happen. And so, you know what? God is kind of helping me like that. Like he's there. It's nice, it's cute, but I don't really feel like I'm actually being helped in life. And I think we can honestly feel that way. And I think sometimes that's why we don't genuinely really pray. It's because we feel like it's that kind of help, it's that kind of power. And so what my prayer is, is that tonight, if we do feel like that, if we are disappointed, that our faith would be awoken tonight. And that God would call us to say, you know what, I, I do want to pray prayers of genuine belief in God. And my prayer is for those of us, maybe we love to pray and maybe we do believe in God's power. And this would just encourage us to continue to pray all the more. So three thoughts on this idea of God's power. And the first one is this, um, and this one's not going to be super groundbreaking or like, wow, Brian, this is a deep one here but I just need us to establish this is the baseline, is that Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all-powerful. We read in the book of Genesis that God spoke the earth into existence, spoke the universe into existence. This is the kind of power that we should be thinking about when we think about God. We read throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament that God is in fact sovereign even over kingdoms and over nations. 
And he does use even the events in the world to carry his plans and his purposes forward, even when it's hard for us to understand these things. That that God is infinitely more powerful than any other thing on this earth. And, And then we also read that really truly the actual source of the greatest source of power, the greatest moment of power in human history was when God raised Jesus from the dead. And in fact, there's this really beautiful prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter one. And one of the things that he prays for, and you're gonna see it here in a minute, he prays that we actually have the eyes to see and understand the actual power of Jesus. And so this is what he says. He says that you may know, he's praying, and he says, I pray that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. So stop right there, look at me. So, so he is saying, I'm praying that, that you actually can grasp this. And that's the prayer for all of us tonight, that, that we actually have the eyes to see this and the heart to understand this, the immeasurable greatness of his power that there is a power in Jesus Christ that that actually is so vast and it is so amazing that we literally don't have the power to measure it. And and, and like, like we can measure a lot of different types of power. We can measure a lot of different things. We can say there's, there, there's a, a, someone has the strength to do this or this bomb has the strength to do this. And, and what he's saying is that the power of God is so great that we cannot even measure it. But he says it's not just arbitrary power. There's lots of power that doesn't really help us. There's power that can hurt us. But he says it's the immeasurable greatness of power towards us who believe. So he's saying, I'm praying you understand that the vast riches of the power of heaven is actually pointed towards helping us, pointed towards moving on our behalf. And we're gonna talk about, it's not just moving on our behalf so we can get whatever we want and have a dope wish list from Amazon that comes true, but we're actually gonna learn that that there's a reason it's pointed towards our behalf. But, But here's what Paul says, he's like, this is the power. It's the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So how do you know about God's power? He, he raised Jesus from the dead. He raised a man from the dead. He, he conquered the thing that no one else can conquer. We can do a lot of things. We can invent a lot of things. We, human has come, humanity has come up with a lot of things, but guess what? We have not figured out a way to stop death. God stopped at death. He raised Christ from the dead. And then he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. So any other ruler, any other authority, any other power on this earth, there's not even a comparison with Jesus. Far above every name that is named. If you think of a famous person, if you think of a rich person, if you think of a ruler, not even close to Jesus. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Apparently, even in the age to come, there will be other, that there, there will be, that, that, that there will be people who, who are ranked, but even in the age to come, Jesus is greater. And it says, and he put things all, all things under his feet. So just in case you aren't getting the picture, Jesus is most powerful. And he gave him head over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So 
just right off the bat, what we gotta realize and what we gotta understand is this truth that Jesus has incredible power. Now, here's what's interesting. If you read the Gospels, if you read the stories of Jesus, there's actually two things that amaze Jesus over and over again. There's two things. The first off, he is amazed when his disciples don't actually understand his power. He, that's the thing that amazes him. He's like, you're with me all the time and you don't understand how powerful I am. You've seen the miracles, you've seen me move and you don't get it. The other thing that amazes him is when someone does recognize his power. There's this beautiful story in Matthew chapter eight. You don't have to turn there, but it's a, it's a ruler and he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, I need you to heal my son. And Jesus says, I'll come with you to heal your son. And the man says, hey, I, I understand authority. I'm a man who has authority. When I give a command, people do it. If I say jump, they say how high. And he says, you have authority. You don't even have to come with me. You can just speak right now and my, my friend will be healed. And Jesus says, it says he is amazed at this man's faith. He's amazed that this man actually understands his power. He says, I haven't seen faith like that anywhere. So Jesus is all powerful. So when we pray for power, what are we doing? Well, we're praying, I think, for two things. The first thing is this, put it on the screen. Please put it on the screen. I'm sorry, I was very, I wasn't meaning to demand like that. I don't think I have power like this official, you know? I really don't, I'm sorry. When we pray for power, first off, we pray for inward power. This might be weird because I think most of the time when I think about power, I think about doing and accomplishing great things in the world. Like, like I would like some power to change some things. I would like some power to stop sickness, to stop hunger, to, to help people. That would be awesome. I'd like some power to like do things for myself, like get a Tesla or something like that. There's a lot of things that I'd like power for. But, but the first thing we need to do is we need to actually pray for, for inward power, for power from the Holy Spirit inwardly. And if you notice, the actual prayer that Jesus says, he says, help us to not give in to temptation. Please deliver us from the evil one. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about an inward choice that we make to follow Jesus. And this is what Colossians chapter two says. Let's skip on to the next one, verse, I think four or five that's there. Paul, he's writing. And this is an inward power. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. Remember he said earlier, work out your own salvation for it is God's spirit who works in you. So he says, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetous, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And in these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices. So what this verse is saying is something that I think we all understand, which is that each one of us is 
deeply tempted to do things that are dishonoring to God and that are hurtful to us. Um, there, there's a, several discipleship groups that meet from the harbor, and, and uh, uh, several of us last uh, night talked about temptation. The, the guys in my group were going around and we're talking about temptation, and one of the questions that was asked is, you know, what are the things that tempt you? And it, I wasn't surprised, but none of us were like, it's weird, I don't have any temptation. And I didn't hear a report from anyone like, hey, Brian, just to let you know, we do have a group that has figured it out. There is no temptation. They have reached true Christ-likeness, you know? Like, I didn't hear that. And actually, Jesus himself was tempted. And so I think sometimes, like, we're surprised that we're Christians and that we feel tempted. We're surprised that we're Christians and we give in to temptation. But throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, there is this expectation that we as followers of Jesus, we're 100% gonna be tempted. We're going to be drawn towards things that are not good for us and are not glorious to God. And what he's saying, he says it three times here. He says, put it to death, put them all away, put off the old self. He's saying, actually take an action to get rid of those things. Take active participation to get rid of them. And then look at what he says, the, the next few verses, verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So I want you to notice that the, there's two key verbs that are happening here. One of them is put off and one of them is put on, right? So, so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Mr. Rogers. And I was thinking about the fact that at the beginning of every episode, he literally walks in and his first action is like he takes off the like jacket that he walked in on and he takes off like his, his like actual like walking around shoes. And then he's like, it's cardigan time, right? So he throws on the cardigan, he throws on the slippers. And by the way, I've heard a rumor that the reason he always wore long sleeves was because he was super tatted up underneath the sleeves from his uh, time as a soldier in Vietnam. Did you guys, he was a soldier in Vietnam. Did you guys know that? And you guys know that he was a sniper and he actually at one point held the longest confirmed kill. I think someone beat him, but is this not true? All, all my soldiers in the room or is that our urban legend? It's an urban legend, all of it? All right, I really wish you guys had it. Is that, is that Tara? Tara, get out, seriously, you're done. Like, like, like you're, no, that's so sad. Okay, sorry, well anyways, all that's an urban legend then. He was a soldier though, wasn't he? Was he not a soldier? He wasn't even a soldier? All right, fine, well, my internet research I did eight or nine years ago uh, is sorely mistaken. And that will teach all of us to fact check, I don't know, anyways. So the point is, he took off the cardigan, he put back on the cardigan. And that was like literally his tradition, that's how he started every day. So he started every episode. He's like, you know what? I'm going to start the episode by putting off the old and putting on the new. And, and this is like, bear with me. I mean, you already have based on my really, really poor fact. So I appreciate that you're going to bear with me again. But like, just think about this for a second. Like, none of us would, would like wake up and be like, listen, I'm in my PJs. I'm, you know, I'm in my boxers, whatever. Like, 
I'm just going to go out. It's, uh, this is good enough, right? Like you guys are here, you're at the harbor, you dress up for the harbor, you all look incredible, you look amazing, like the fits are on point, like all of it. And like, seriously, like we're like, when I'm going out, like I am being intentional that I wanna look good. This is like, this is it. I want, I want people to think that I look fly. I want people to compliment me. I want people to be like, this, this man is well-dressed or this person is well-dressed. But, but so none of us would be like, yeah, like I'm gonna try to, look as horrible or as unpresentable as possible. But many of us would wake up every day and not even think twice about intentionally putting off the old and intentionally putting on the new. And one of the ways that we do this is we pray for God's power and we say, God, I need your power to help me in this day that I want to serve you today. I want to please you today, but I actually need your strength to do it. Now there's actually a way that I like to do this that I learned and I think it's super helpful, but in Romans chapter six, verse 13, it says this, it says, do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer to yourselves God as those who have been brought from death to life and focus on this key point and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So literally something that is helpful for me, again, we're praying about God's power and something that's helpful for me as I pray God's power is I literally try to present my entire body to God. And I start with, with my mind and I say, God, like I wanna think thoughts that are glorious to you. I look at, I, I go to my eyes and I say, God, like, I really wanna see people the way that you see them. With my ears, I want to genuinely listen and love people. With my mouth, I wanna speak words of life and so on and so forth. And you literally can do that. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, offer every part of yourself. Give yourself to God and say, God, I want today for me to be used for your glory, but that has to be from your power. It's a moment of surrender to God. So, so when we talk about Jesus's power, we're talking about this idea that we're surrendering to God, but, but here's the beautiful thing about that, that as we surrender to God, remember, Jesus is all powerful. And one of the beautiful things that you and I as Christians actually get to experience is that in moments where we are weak and we look at, at, at the world, we look at the scripture and we're like, I, I can't do these things. I've tried really hard to obey God. I've tried to go out and do things in the world that are godly and I just can't do it. When we offer ourselves to God, what we're saying is, I'm not doing it in my own power. I'm, I'm opening myself up to a power that is immeasurably greater than mine. So that's what we're doing first off. The second thing, and we'll move quickly through this, is that when we pray, we pray to see God's power in the world. We say, God, yeah, I wanna see your power in my life. I wanna see you renew my mind. I wanna see you give me a heart that beats for you. But we also say, God, I wanna see you move in the world. And, and there's a, a beautiful story that Jesus told and. This is how we'll wrap up this series. I felt like this was such a beautiful and appropriate way to wrap up this story. It starts in Luke 18.1. And here's the thing. I love it when the Bible tells you this is what the story is about 
Because then if anyone asks you, they're like, you can just answer. You're like, this is what the Bible says, you know? So Jesus said, Jesus told his disciple a parable. And here's the reason for the parable. It's to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So by the way, if you're like at the end of this parable, if you're like, I wonder what I should have taken away from that. Take away that we should always pray and never give up. That's the point. Now, this is the parable. This is the story. Jesus said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. In other words, he's wicked and he's also kind of a psychopath about it. He's like actually genuinely doesn't care. And he says, and there was a widow. By the way, in that day and age, a widow was one of the most vulnerable people in the world. But because of the, the way society was structured, if you were in a, a widow, especially a widow that wasn't actually being cared for, then you, you actually, you, you were in a very, very bad spot. There was a widow that in that town kept coming to him with a plea, and the plea is this, grant me justice against my adversary. So, so he, she is a widow and she has uh, needs and she has like, like uh, she, she actually has people who are standing up against her. And so she's like, hey, I have rights to get food or I have rights for certain things. And, and the, the judge, she, she, she keeps going. And this is what it says, verse four. It says, for some time the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, and this is very interesting. Finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So, so he, here's, the, here, here's the deal. Have you ever heard like as someone like said at your job before the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Like whoever like complains the most or talks the most, like that's the person who's gonna get it. Like this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this widow didn't really have that much power in this situation, but simply because she was persistent and she was continually over and over again bothering this guy, she got what she needed. This judge wasn't a good dude. This judge wasn't like, man, I, he had a change of heart. Like, that's not the moral of the story. The judge woke up and he's like, I've seen the error of my ways. I'm so sorry, widow. He's like, listen, the only thing I can do here is just give her what she wants so I can move on with my life. Now, Here's the plot twist. Jesus is going to compare God to the unjust judge. He's gonna be like, here's the deal. God's like the unjust judge. You're like, wow, that's weird. So this is what Jesus says. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. I'm gonna come back to that last sentence in a second. But I think that's so fascinating. Jesus is not saying that God is unjust and that God will only answer your prayer if you keep bothering him. What Jesus is saying is, look, if in our world there is a judge who just is going to get bothered and worn down and give us, give this woman what she wants, how much more would a loving, caring deeply compassionate, deeply powerful heavenly father, listen and respond to his children. But remember the moral of the story, he's saying, listen, like this woman, have persistence, keep praying. And then this is the question that has, has really been haunting me and I've been thinking about it so much 
over the course of this series. Jesus says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this is a really compelling question. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? So what Jesus is asking is, there's gonna be a moment when I return and when I return, I'm gonna be inspecting your lives and my lives. And the question is, what would Jesus find? Uh, Another way to ask this question is this. If God answered every prayer that you are currently praying, how would the world be different? Would just your life be slightly enhanced? Would this community have changed? Would the world have changed? When God, if he inspects your life, is he finding a life that says, God, I believe you are powerful. And I actually want you to move in power in my life and in the world around me. Or does he find someone who says, you know what? I'm super interested in my own comfort and my own entertainment. I am super interested in my agenda. Is he gonna find people who are full of faith when he comes back? Or is he gonna find people who are full of everything else? And and here's where it gets a little interesting. Because Jesus makes this crazy promise in John 14. This is what he says. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And he says it again, just in case you missed it. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now, here's the key. We have to understand this. This statement comes with a condition because here's what we're saying. We're saying that you and I, we have an opportunity to pray with holy imagination, to actually say, God, I wanna dream and say, you could do some crazy things in the world. You could move in powerful ways in the world. And I want to see you move. But Jesus, he did not say this promise. He did not say this promise to the crowds. He said this promise to his disciples. And there is a condition for being a disciple. The condition is, if you want to be a disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In other words, when we're praying this prayer, we're not praying this prayer out of a a place of me trying to get cool stuff for myself. We're not praying this prayer in order to advance my agenda. Because as a disciple, I have put to death my agenda. I have said my agenda is gone. I am on the agenda of King Jesus now. But when I put to death my agenda... And when I go into the agenda of King Jesus, then Jesus actually says, use your holy imagination. Pray big prayers. Pray that I will move in power. And he promises, he says, I'm going to answer those prayers. Now, this is where it gets a little complicated, and and this is where I'm going to close. Because I believe that there are some people in here, myself included, who have prayed crazy big prayers and they have seen them come true. Has anyone prayed a crazy prayer and seen it come true before? I've prayed a prayer and I'm like, God, this is gonna take a miracle and I've seen it happen. Okay, 
Now, has anyone seriously, genuinely in faith prayed and said, God, I really believe this is gonna happen to the best of my abilities. I genuinely think that I'm not praying a selfish prayer. I really think I'm praying a seriously humble prayer and it hasn't come true. Has anyone experienced that? I've experienced that. Like I've prayed a prayer and I've been like, as best as I can tell, I really genuinely, seriously want this for the good of the world, not for the good of me. And it didn't come true. Okay, so what do we do with that? How do we, how do we wrestle with that? Well, I think a couple things. This is, this is kind of three things that can happen when we pray a prayer of, of faith. The first thing is God just answers it. Like we keep praying. We're like the persistent widow. We're like, God, please move. And we pray the prayer and God answers it. And we're like, holy cow, Jesus is all powerful. And I'm telling you, if you pray prayers like this, God will answer them and it'll happen and it'll be crazy. So that's one break. The second thing is, as we pray the prayer, God will actually be sanctifying us and changing our prayer over time as we grow in patience and we'll actually discover, man, the prayer I was praying actually did have selfish motives, but God is changing it and helping me to grow more towards him. This happened in my life. I've been leading the harbor for, uh, for, for like eight, almost eight years now. And, and one of my prayers ever since I have been leading the harbor is I've just been praying, God, like I would love to see just thousands of young adults in this community get saved and get just radically transformed through the harbor. Now, look around. There's like a significant amount of people here. It's amazing that like I'm blown away whenever I come to the harbor. I'm like, dude, people are showing up to the harbor. Why? I don't get it. It's crazy. I'm like blown away. But also, I mean, I've been praying for like 5,000 people, you know? So sometimes I'm like, God, like, this is a small percentage of 5,000 people. And one of the things that like early on, like I'm just being 100% transparent. Early on, like the first year of the harbor, I was like, I was praying for 5,000 people because I literally wanted to be like a famous pastor. I was like, I would love God for you to bless me with 5,000 people so that everyone could be like, Brian's awesome. Let's invite him to conferences and like have him write a book about how awesome he is and what a great pastor he is. Like, that's why I want it, you know? And so, like, that prayer has been sanctified. Now, I, whoa, I almost fell off the stage. Now, I literally, that would have been, that might lead to 5,000 people. Like, 5,000 views. Like, that would be so funny. Like, yeah. Like, it went viral. Pastor breaks body, you know? Um, anyways, I, I would still genuinely love to see thousands of young adults encounter Jesus through the ministry. But I really believe, like, one of the things God has showed me is we have transitioned our, our focus of ministry and even said we want to make it all about discipleship is that I believe that 5,000 people will be reached by the harbor. It may just not be at one time because we're equipping young adults to go out into the world and reach people for Jesus. And so God, I believe, is going to do that and has been doing that. He's just been sanctifying my prayer. And so as you pray... God may be sanctifying your prayer. He may say, like, look, I am actually going to answer this prayer, but it's gonna be a different way than you think. And then he, here's the last thing. So the first thing is God could just answer your prayer. That'd be awesome. Second thing is he could sanctify your prayer. The last thing is he literally might not answer your prayer the way that you wanna answer it. But actually there's a crazy promise in Hebrews, which is if you pray in faith, God still rewards you for your faith even if the promise doesn't come true. Look at this. This is not, by the way, like the most popular verse in scripture or anything like that, but this is a crazy promise. Here's what it says. 
It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, right? Like that will not preach, right? Like, hey guys, pray big prayers. You may die and, and your dreams will have failed. It's actually literally what it says, like 100%. I was praying and I was believing in faith and I was humble and I died and I didn't receive the things promised. It's possible that that could happen. But listen, here's what it says, but they have seen them and greeted them from afar. Again, kind of, kind of sad, like, man, hello, dreams. Goodbye, dreams. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But I love this part. It says, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land for which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Now, this verse is specifically speaking about people who wanted to see the Messiah come, and they didn't see the Messiah come. But they still believed. But, but what God is saying is, when we have faith, when we pray big prayers for God, when we believe God for big things, when we say, God, I'm going to sign up to serve you and follow you and pray and dream big dreams, that when we're doing that, what we're saying is, I don't care about this world. I wanna dream big dreams for God. And I love this last part. It says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So here's the beautiful promise, that if you pray genuine prayers of saying, God, I want you to transform me. I want you to change me. I want you to move in power in my life and in the world, even if everything that you pray doesn't come true, when you get to heaven, you're gonna find that God is not ashamed to be called your God. That God said, you believed that I was powerful. You believed that I moved. And yeah, your life didn't pan out the exact way that your Pinterest board looked, but you trusted in me and you held fast to faith. And I'm proud to be called your God because you believed in my power. And listen, I would rather see 25% of my huge God dreams for God's glory come true than 100% of my small, super safe prayers. And that's what I pray that we as the harbor do. I do pray that we pray that God would move in our hearts and move in our lives and that God would actually just save us and sanctify us. But I also pray that we would be people who would say, God, I wanna have a holy imagination. I don't wanna just pray for dope stuff so that I can be awesome, but I wanna actually pray prayers to say, God, please move in my life to radically bring your kingdom into the world. And I wanna pray bold prayers for that, and I wanna watch you move in power. And I pray that we're people like that. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up and I wanna ask us to, to pray. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to pray these prayers. And God, I do sincerely pray that we would be people who would trust in you, that we would be people who would be fully surrendered to you, I pray that we would be people who would pray big prayers, 
Dream big dreams for God. Expect big things from you. And I pray that like that widow, that we would have perseverance in our prayers, that we would always pray and never give up. God, I confess that I'm not persistent like that sometimes. I confess that I have ADD in my prayers and that I can move on. I confess that sometimes that I have been disappointed or frustrated or discouraged and it's caused me to not pray and dream big things. And I'm sorry, help me to dream big things. God, most of all, I pray that when you inspect our faith, that you will find great faith, that you'll find a people that want to see you move in power. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.